Broadcasting from the commodity capital of the world, Zurich, Switzerland, this is Insider's Guide to Energy. Insider's Guide to Energy, ETRM mini-series, brought to you by Fedectus, where post-trading matters, and falls in independent management and consulting beauty, creating impacts for clients and markets. Welcome to Insider's Guide to Energy, ETRM mini-series, and today we have with us Gen 10 and Richard Williamson from Gen 10. Richard, welcome to the program. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're happy to have you here today. Um, for our audience and listeners, um, maybe it would make sense if we start out by telling us a little bit about who Gen 10 is and who you are. Uh, sure. So um, I'm Richard Williamson, the CEO, founder of, uh, of Gen 10. Uh, we just passed our 21st birthday last Thursday. Um, and we've been spending our professional existence uh, trying to digitalize some of these commodity supply chains across ags, metals, and energy. Well, happy birthday. It's, it's good to – you, you, you look, look like a good 21-year-old. Good 21 year <laughs> So the, the ETRM miniseries is really designed um, – it came out of the fact that I've been talking to a number of ETRM vendors across the spectrum, as has Morton. And we see all kinds of activity. We see a lot of companies trying to reinvent themselves. We see a lot of startups. Um, we see a lot of people, re, you know, just really putting a lot of effort into ETRM. And and my question to you is, you know, what's different? You've been doing this for twenty one years. So what, what's happened in the last couple of years? What what what's going on in ETRM? Um, well, obviously, COVID has, has has played a big part in in people's decision making and and uh, speed, speeding up the decision process to, to 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 look at other ETRM systems that could perhaps uh, assist them more in a work from home environment. Um, so I, I I think it really has been COVID as a catalyst. To, to, to get people to look at more modern ETRM systems, you know, looking at cloud, how do we implement remotely uh, if we're not allowed to travel and things like that. Um, so that, that's certainly been a catalyst over the last couple of years. Uh, Functionality-wise, it, it's been about, you know, needing something more flexible, being able to get more out of the data, being able to visualize the data. Um, you know, we'll be covering a few of these topics later on as well, but, uh, you know, AI, machine learning, how do we get the computer to help generate some insights for us? Um, yeah, I, probably that over the last couple of years. So it seems like you're attributing a fair amount to COVID. How about renewables? How does that play into what's going on? Is that in, in your sector and in the commodities you do, are they making an impact as well? Uh, absolutely. I mean, as, as people need to diversify their portfolios from, you know, a contract of having some coal ships regularly coming in to, 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 to use up at the utilities, you know, you're needing to find uh, energy generation sources from, from lots of different places. Uh, the kind of impact that has on an ETRM system, um, it gets it more complicated, gets it more physical. Uh, gets it more diverse. You've got a portfolio of, of different inventories that are coming in different ways, different formats. Um, so yes, that has been 
that that trend as well has put a lot of pressure on ETRMs, and perhaps that's why a lot of them are coming back to market today. Okay, so understood uh, that renewables also impacting, I understood, your business or your solutions, but maybe in a bit more details, uh, what does that mean exactly for um, your offerings, your solutions? Um, how do you incorporate that uh, change in the market in terms of renewables? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, we, we come from a physical agricultural background. I was a cotton trader before Gen 10. Um, and for the first 10 years, uh, it was just cotton. Uh, and what, what I would say is that the, the, the challenges and all of the exceptions to the rule that cotton creates for computers uh, around quality changing, weights changing, values changing, um, it's it, it's around, it's around the inventory controls, around the workflows, and things like that. Uh, that the problems that we needed to solve during our first half of our lives, uh, and seeing how that was then easily translated to other commodities, you know, bulk commodities, sixty thousand tons or whatever, um, but also how how, how metals how, how metals need to be managed. Coming up to renewables, uh, where you have inventories of lots of different qualities, lots of different parameters that affect the final price and who you allocate, you know, which 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 um, inventories you allocate to who. Um, it's sort of we 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 uh, we went through all the hard learnings earlier on before we started bringing things to the cloud. Okay, and so uh, what what I hear out of that is but that uh, your solution covers quite some commodities, um, not just power and gas, maybe, but I understood more. And you mentioned cotton and also then um, bulk uh, uh, products. So, can you explain a bit and describe also for our audience what your typical target clients are and what their business usually is and what you, according to that, focus on? Yeah, sure. I mean, we, we, we do over 100 commodities now, all on the same code base, all on the same platform. Um, and, you know, our, our sweet spot is anybody who needs to physically move stuff, right, uh, whether it's a commodity or something else, to be honest, but it's around the, the shipping, the logistics, um, people who have a, a big um, uh, a big operational uh demand from a computer system the, the, the these are the people that 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 we that we serve best yeah people who who need to ship things around the world keep track of it make sure the trade finance is in place look at inventories all over the world and be able to price it correctly you, you talked about so i get that there's people shipping things and I, I get the the risk element of that there but visualization so you mentioned broadly in the opening statements that visualization or reporting or, or whatever needs to change or is one of the drivers for change. So describe what kind of changes are needed there. What what, what are you seeing and what would you expect a modern system to do? Yeah, um, changes that we're seeing. I mean, I, I think mostly to do with the original technology that people would use for the ETRMs. Not so easy to stick a dashboard in the... To, to, to visualize your inventories or your long position or whatever it might be, your operational performance, key performance metrics, whatever. Um, I think the, you know, 
that's actually the simple bit. The difficult bit is making sure that all of the data, the underlying data is there present and that you can get access to it so you can make whatever visualizations you want. Um, so the, the, the challenge I think historically is being able to get access to that data so that you can leverage other visualization tools, whether it's, whether it's our own, uh, dashboard module or whether it's Power BI or ClickView, uh, whatever the external thing is, the job is making sure A, that the data is clean, that it's in the right state in its workflow, um, and that you have the APIs in place so that you can consume that data in whichever way you want. I mean, no, no two trading companies have the same position report. So, so you're a 21-year-old company, so I assume your architecture has morphed or grown with, with the times, if you're telling me that it's about to get the data. So is that part of what you're doing right now? Are you a cloud-based architecture today? You talked about modules and things like that, or are you a combination, or are you still migrating? Yeah, no, we're, we're, we're fully cloud. I mean, we, we had the, as looking back, we had the, uh, we had the, the, the fortune to, to recode all of our uh, technology stack back. We started around about 2008, 2009. Uh, we, were, we were Lotus Notes back then. I don't know if you remember that. I do. But in terms of, you know, a lot of the things, contracts, shipping documents, it's all about workflow and communication and that kind of stuff. Um, and so when Lotus Notes sort of ceased to be, um, it's like, okay, well, there's an existential event for us to, to try to, to navigate. Uh, so we, we, we started moving things over to the cloud early on. Um, and part of that process was we don't want to be, um, we, we don't want to be tied too much into any one particular technology. Um, let's try and keep things modular uh, so that we don't have any um, obsol- obsolescence uh, issues later on. I say future-proof um, as, as much as you can, of course. Um, and, and, and yeah, so we've, we've had maybe 13 years of, of developing cloud solutions. I mean, we're on, our, we're on our sixth version of our cloud platform today. Um, so whether that answers your question enough. It does, um, but having been in the software business for some period of time, cloud is a very ambiguous term, and it means many things to many people. So maybe it'd be helpful if you describe what you mean by cloud and what your implementation is. Right, okay, so multi-tenanted across lots of servers um, that's then managing um, a a lot of clients and the stuff that they need to do. Uh, What it's not is a sort of a screen scrape or putting some sort of cloud window onto the the old database. I mean, we had a complete rewrite of everything. I mean, from I mean, <laughs> from Lotus Notes, you have to. Um, so you know, having your, your your SQL databases, having the the, the web servers, having the, the 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 browser languages. So you know, having a a browser interface having it looking nice as a web page should rather than uh, a database sort of look and feel uh, that, that, that was around at the time. Um, so yeah, multi-tenanted, it's not hosted on our servers. It's hosted on, you know, AWS or Azure or whatever. Um, and, you know, web browser, mobile first, that kind of technology. In that context, I mean, how does, or what I can see is that clients, when they move to the cloud or get uh, new s- solutions that are in the cloud already, 
it's quite a effort sometimes for them for for integrating their solutions, their systems that they have, their processes. So how does um, this integration look like for a Gen 10 user or client that is maybe new? And do you support the client along that journey? Yeah, sure. No, it's a very good point. Um, you know, I, I would say it's easier to integrate today. Um, you know, you need the APIs, you have web services available to you, as well as, you know, the lower tech flat file sort of transactions. But, um, you know, that that it's centrally managed for us rather than we have to try to maintain things on our client servers. You have a huge uh, you, you have a huge benefit there. Uh, in terms of scalability, et cetera, in terms of response times, uh, and in terms of the overall, you know, the end of the day bill for time and materials, for example. Um, so, with you know, we needed to make sure that we had our APIs in place, that we had web services so that we could have deals come in to create contracts in our platform. Uh, I mean, let me say that we... We, when we approached this, we thought, let's not do another monolithic system. Let's make this modular. Let's make an ecosystem of things um, because we will do stuff that we're good at. And there will be other services out there that rather than us try to build and compete, that we should be you know, working better together with these other offerings so that the client at the end of the day uh, is able to make use of technology um, sensibly, but... Um, you know, without that huge expense that they were at the time accustomed to, um, and and to get a more a more nimble footprint, a more nimble ecosystem sort of um, uh, yeah technology stack. Okay, so uh, would you say that Gen Ten solution is based on a microservice uh, architecture? Uh, there are microservices involved. I mean, we, we did try back in the day to let's go everything microservices. Uh, fortunately, that was at a time when Google was starting to say, hold on a second, maybe that's not the best thing because, uh, you know, the time that it takes, all the latency that can be involved when you have to go to some other service, authenticate in order to get a, a conversion of a unit of measure or something like that. Um, so microservices in their place is fantastic, you know, um, but it's not the be all and end all for a, a, a cloud based solution. Mo modular, modular, I think, is better. Mo modular with APIs, I think, is is a better way to, to think of a, a cloud offering, I think, than microservices. OK, understood. And in terms of uh, user interaction, I mean, I strongly assume, of course, there is a UI or users uh, work on the screen directly. And in case there is maybe services or functionality that the user would like to have, is it possible for the user, beside building it outside and connecting it via the API, is it also possible that uh, the user can develop it within the Gen 10 solution as a service, for example? So having something like an integrated development environment uh, where the user can then build own functionality. Um, yeah, I, they, they tend to rely on us to, to, to do that. It, it, it's not, it, they, 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 they have a lot of things at their disposal in terms of the configurability of the system, uh, the look and feel, the how things are presented on the screen, and users have a lot of preferences and everything. Um, but 
when it comes to when it comes to integrating, we'd be working with with the teams, if you like, to develop those web services so that we're connecting correctly. And you know, uh, but it's something that takes days to weeks these days. It's not a big, huge integration monster of a project. Okay, understood. Would like to refer back or go back a bit to the topic data that you mentioned, because I think that's really a very crucial topic for all players, almost all players in the market to have the data straight, ideally centralized uh, to get most value out of data. Um, what, what was a bit unclear um, to me when you explained your, let's say, strategy or, or um, what role data does play for you was if Gen 10 um, as a solution is also a data management solution, so maybe you have a module that collects data, stores data, validates data, and distributes data, or whether this is something, a functionality that you rely on the client to solve. So maybe the client has a central data management solution that you connect then via API to your functionality and your solution. So how does it work in terms of data storage and distribution? I mean, we we do manage an awful lot of data across somebody's physical supply chains and how they need to hedge it and how they need to finance it. Um, so yes, we are data managers for with, within within our realm. Um, if you talk, but but we also assist in you know creating a data lake that is getting our data into the data lake and getting other data from other sources into that one place so that they can have, you know, they can do run their analytics across not just our CTRM data, um, but other, other other apps that we have around, um, uh, around sustainability or marketplace activity and stuff like that, um, or with, you know, uh, other software as a service, other, other, other platforms out there as well. Um, so yes, a lot of data to manage ourselves, and we make sure that the it, it's not just the data, but it's the state of the data, because um, workflow is such a huge part of people's business in these supply chains. Um, but it's about making sure that our data is accessible and consumable by something else, such as a, a, a data warehousing solution, uh, where they can bring it all together. Okay, and do you have clients that um, manage their data? Um, purely through your CTM solution that do not really have a data lake or a centralized data management? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Most of them. Okay. So it seems like you provide some, some very good uh, data management uh, functionality then because that's by far not easy to manage data in a, in a streamlined vein. Data versioning, uh, audit proof, reconciliation, so... Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, we, we couldn't we couldn't do it after our first birthday, but uh, yes. we're twenty one now, so uh, yeah, uh, we've we, we've been through the mill a few times in order to get to where we are. Okay, understood. So, in terms of um, cloud solution, coming back, I mean, jumping a bit back now, um, how does your support and maintenance model look like? Is it a, a fully service solution um or it's pretty full, fully managed service you know the idea is that our well 
first of all, the technology side is not a headache for our clients, other than making sure that the the, uh, the internet connection is as reliable and as fast as they can afford. Um, and yet, yeah, we 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 look we look after all of the rest of it, so that I, the ideal world is, and, and it's a, a real world for us. Our clients log in, username and password. They get the business end of things done on the platform. Um, if, they've, if they've got a question, you've got digital uh, videos that you can refer back to, uh, which gives everybody a lot of scalability and, you know, on-demand knowledge. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, we're always available um, for direct contact if they need any additional help. Um, but it tends to be for new projects, which is exciting. So I think um, what, what I heard you, you talk about the data, you talked about being in the cloud um, and being a modular architecture. I, I guess would I'd be interested in maybe switching gears and talk about you know an ecosystem or partners and, and, and do you use that modularity just internally for modules that your customer might want to use or it's a modularity offering also partners in an ecosystem kind of environment? In your solution. Absolutely. I mean, yes, it is for our for our other for our modules and our other apps as well. But it, it, it was it was seen as we're not going to do all of everything for everybody. Um, that you need to be able to connect and and leverage other people's technology so that the client has has the best of breeds, you know, ability to digitally transform today rather than wait five years for the technology to be old uh, in in time to start using it, you know, so. So based on that, so, so of the core competence, what are your strengths then? Like where, where would you say, Hey, go to gen 10, these, these modules, you definitely want to get from us. And then what, you know, maybe paint a picture of how some of your customers might augment the solution. What would they be adding in? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, everything from, from, from pre-deal through to, you know, we have a, a, a fully fledged contract management, module that can be standalone in itself. You don't need all of the rest of, of the modules. Um, it, it's, it's quite surprising how, how how many contracts still need to be done outside of the current ETRM system in order to get it correct uh, and the whole workflow process, the digital signatures and everything. Um, but everything really starts from that. We have a CRM module. We have our contracts. Uh, and you get that, that, that contract piece right. It, it makes the scheduling, it makes all of the operations, it makes the communication between front, middle and office, middle and back office uh, work so much better together. Um, you know, through the logistics, the shipping, opening and chasing of the, chasing and opening of the letters of credit, um, you know, workflowing release requests to the bank before uh, some inventories can leave the warehouse. Or the silo, or whatever, um, you know, all the way through to invoicing and payment. Where we would integrate is with an ERP or an accounting system. You know, General Ledger. We have all of the costs and we have all of the revenues, but we would integrate with a with an ERP system, whether it's SAP or whether it's um, Microsoft Dynamics Business Central, uh, Great Plains, Sage. We've done. Um, we're doing Netsuite now. Netsuite's getting very popular in the states. Um, we're integrating with like vessel satellite tracking services, uh, obviously things like Google Maps and other APIs that we can leverage 
Uh, and, we, you know, we do get asked a lot, how do we reconcile with our broker statements better? Um, you know, we, we, which is why I like a, a lot of what Fidectus is doing. Um, yeah, things like that. I think when blockchain um, platforms start to become, uh, start to gain traction, uh, I, you know, it'll be a lot about integrating with those and how we have our workflow engine. Uh, it's critical to being able to communicate. Our workflow engine, our web services, it's critical to being able to, to communicate with these, uh, these blockchain platforms uh, in a two-way process too. So. so I heard quite a number of uh, interesting functionality and components that you provide to your users. Um, what about valuation and risk management? So to um, measure your performance on a daily basis or weekly basis, monthly basis, And also, of course, having the right uh, risk numbers in place to monitor whenever you need to react as risk manager. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, we bring in all of the prices from the 100 plus commodities that we, that, that we manage. Um, we have a, a formula engine that helps people construct some pretty exotic uh, pricing formulae, or, you know, pie gas, benzene, those kinds of things, uh, copper concentrate. Uh, a whole other beast where you've got three or possibly even six different commodities that need to be priced along with a number of different penalties for, for uh, you know, for, for contaminant uh, particles, etc. Um, you know, so getting the pricing sorted, the first thing, and then, you know, the, the hedging module for, for, for your paper futures options and your OTC trades uh, as well. Okay, so your system can at the end of the day spit out a PL so that uh, a trader or, or mid office or risk person can see what uh, the current M2M is and maybe realize the PL. And on top, um, a user can also see um, what the risk, the underlying risk is, if some limits have been breached or if the VAR is maybe exceeded. So that's standard functionality. Correct. Yeah, and and the beauty is that uh, they, they they can they can design their own key performance indicators and their own risk limits, and by by establishing those, um, I come back to our workflow engine. When somebody wants to pass go to collect two hundred dollars, they need to go and check these KPIs before something can be approved or before a shipping instruction can be can be sent. They go and check the the, the global credit limit. Um, for, for, for the month or whatever it is. Uh, before a trade is done, go and check these KPIs that my client has set up uh, against them to say, yeah, it, it's okay to, to trade with them um, at, at the moment. So it, 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 is, it is very, very integrated, um, comprehensive, but with a vision to, you know, as other services become available, that we can leverage We can leverage those technologies by integrating with them. The kind of things that are possible today, because you're in the cloud environment, uh, it's chalk and cheese to experiences over the last 20, 30 years. Yeah, yeah. And what about position management as one other key component or functionality? Um, is that available? At least um, if I look at a short-term power trader, I mean, that's the key source now nowadays with all the renewables and the volatility to be at any point in time able to uh, see your positions more or less real time is that also a strong requirement in the commodities or your clients 
are active? And if yes, uh, how, how does it work in your solution? Yeah? But, but it's, it's, it's measured, measured more in days, I guess, rather than in minutes in, in, in power. Um, but I mean, you know, if, if you have an ETRM system that doesn't give you position management, um, the question is, you know, it's a, you've got to ask yourself bigger questions. Than, um, but, but, you know, to, to, to evolve that question though, you know, a position report, for example, the, there is no one position report, even if you stick within the same commodity, that everybody has their own sort of take. There's, 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 and, and our job is to find where are the constant commonalities and where do we need to build in additional flexibility so that they can slice and dice their position in different ways? I mean, I, hopefully we'll get to talk about um, uh, about carbon and environmental markets shortly. But um, you know how you how how you can uh, massage and how you can extend your position reporting is key because otherwise you're locked and confined into this box that. You know, as going back to your renewables, uh, your old position report doesn't work when you have all of these different sources of inventories that you need to manage. Okay, understood. I think you mentioned a, an, a, a brilliant uh, word here, carbon. Um, that's, I think, not just important for your clients, but all over the industry, um, utilities, but also... World, um, chemistry yeah so maybe elaborate a bit more how important is that for your client base and and as of course then for your solutions and offerings yeah i mean so gen 10 we didn't set out to be a ctrm vendor we wanted to provide digital solutions to facilitate commodity supply chains more more sustainably uh, more efficiently and more profitably for our customers and a big part of that was to show how being more sustainable is not a cost because people, you know, when even today, some people think of sustainability as being a cost center rather than a potential for profit. Uh, but to show how, how, how those things can work, work better. Um, so we, we were looking around, uh, around carbon in carbon 1.0, 2008, 2009. And I mean, we're really excited. I mean, uh, to, to, uh, to, to call my, my, my colleague, my colleague's phrase, the world's gone bonkers, uh, in terms of, um, what's happening in the carbon markets today. Um, and it affects everybody. You know, it's not just commodity traders, but it's the commodity consumers. Uh, it's the end consumer, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, it, it's a, it's a big part. And we're just glad that, uh, we have another opportunity and it looks like it's here to stay this time around. Um, where we can help facilitate um, the, the movement of cash towards much needed projects at the origination of carbon credit side and managing the, <clears throat> the huge volatility that we're going to see in the, in the carbon credit market um, on, the, on the consuming side where people have a footprint that they need to you know, measure their risk against and see how much is going to cost them uh, to get these carbon credits and to help facilitate that flow of cash and the to to help around the, the you know the 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 concerns around fraud concerns around greenwashing and things like that uh data plays a more more important part in carbon than anything else because you can't see it 
Um, so you have to be able to track it digitally. And this is something that's been a passion of ours for uh, ever since I came down to Brazil to try and plant bamboo as a, as a carbon sequester uh, back in 2010, for example. But um, yeah, and, and I, you know, we, we just went to market around um, COP26 with, with, with our brand new platform, Net Zero OS, uh, which is all about managing those portfolios, managing those credits, and managing the volatility that uh, people will, will be facing over the years. I understood, Richard, that um, you launched uh, quite recently a platform, as per my understanding, that helps clients to manage their carbon inventory. And I think that's something that will be more and more important in the future for more and more companies in the world. So maybe you can explain a bit to our audience what is it about and what it exactly provides to the user. Yeah, so um, again, we've taken the ecosystem approach where we have different modules for different things because it's all about digitally transforming uh, these these processes. Um, so we have things that the so within the column you have the origination of the credits, you have the people who are buying and selling the the, the, the credits on the on the registries, um, and and compiling portfolios to to package up for utility companies or for FMCG, you know the. The, the biggest thousand companies in the world uh, will have this huge um, net zero commitment that they need to manage. And, you know, whilst they'll be improving on their technologies in order to reduce the, the, the impact, um, they will need to use offsets, right? So um, it's not greenwashing. It's, it's, it's finding ways to, 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 to finance projects for planting trees or for cookstoves in Africa Uh, where that money wouldn't otherwise be available to do those things. So it, it, it's, it's great to be part of it, to be honest. Um, and so you look at it in terms of, so we have something that will help uh, vet and audit a potential project for, for investing in. So we call that audit, um, audit.it. Um, and that's a way of setting up your KPIs to, to, to do your, your due diligence on the project. Uh, we have a, a marketplace to help with the offers and bids and the transacting to, to converge those offers and bids into a trade. Um, so nice, you know, uh, marketplace board there for, for, for the pre-deal negotiation digitally. Um, and that itself integrates with our net zero OS that will manage then the, the rest of the contract, um, the inventories, the allocations, um, the pricing of these because some of these are long-term 30-year projects that you need to price um and as this it, it's 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 a nascent market again in its second running uh but it's it's going to quickly become more mature where you will have established uh price indices um you know i, I guess ifs market sp global you know they're, they're all trying there'll be another a bunch of other registries out there as well And then for the utility companies, for the FMCG companies where they have, they, they need to measure their carbon. Um, there's thousands of carbon calculators out there. Uh, but once you know what you've got to do, uh, it's the business end of being able to manage all of that is what we do. And so we tackle it from, from both sides, the origination and the people who need to do the offsets. And you've got that full traceability that we learned from Cotton. Uh, you have so many different qualities, grades and pricing components, premiums, discounts, uh, the ability to add other ESG goals, um, 
premiums to it. And it, it, it's, it's fascinating. Um, and it's great to be part of it. Yeah. So is that, um, you said it's a, a newer product for you. Is that out in commercial use right now, that product? Uh, yes. Yes. Um, it, it's been, been a few years in, in, in the making. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it's going, going, going great guns. Um, and, and it segues back to the commodity clients that we have where they need to manage something. It, so we have something where they can not only trade the, the, the oil, the hydrocarbons, um, the metals and the cotton and the grains, but they can also, uh, set up a carbon desk, uh, straight away as well, uh, within the same ecosystem. So that's great. Uh, but then there's also the, 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 the impact that they need to reduce. Uh, and so any offsets they need to buy themselves, uh, you know, we, we, we can integrate those systems together then to give that full transparency, that full traceability, traceability uh, back to origin. Yeah. So is, is this uniquely a Gen 10 thing or do you see your competitors going down a similar path? Um, I, I don't know what, what, what's happening in the, in the CTRM. ETRM space, um, uh, the the competition is the, the the people who have been in in the in the environmental markets part in the carbon markets. You know, like I say, there's thousands of calculators out there. Um, there's a lot of project management tools for for managing the reforestation projects. Um, so so yeah, it's it, it it's a it, it it's a sector that we're expecting to. To, to be really exciting over the coming years. Yeah. So, but what I understand a bit is uh, your USP might be that you combine both. You have on the one side a carbon calculator, but at the same time, and I think there are many calculators, as you mentioned, uh, at the same time, you integrate it with the daily trading business for um, yeah, traditional trading, oil, metals, whatever uh, clients are looking at. And that sounds, to my understanding, a bit... Uh, front running, how do you see that? Uh, it's, it's it's nice to hear you say so. We think so too, of course. Um, but it, it's it's the product of a number of years of looking at it. And, and my, my my colleague Bruce Tozer, uh, he was there in Carbon 1.0 with JP Morgan, uh, setting up the first carbon markets thing. There um, and <clears throat> you know, waiting patiently over that decade or so uh, to to now. Uh, it looks like some something. Well, it, it's definitely happening now. So, um, you know, it, it it it's great. And are you getting approached by um, potential clients and leads? Or the phone's been ringing off. No, it, it really it really has. It's been it's been it, it, it's it's been great. Um, and you know, again, coming back to all the lessons we've learned to get things in the cloud and how we help to onboard people. Um, you know, they need solutions in there now. Because uh, their spreadsheets don't pass due diligence, or it, it you know, it's a, an older system or something, but um, you know that we can deliver it quickly, um, that we can give them a fully managed service so they can focus on the carbon uh, impact and try to reduce, you know, try to honor the net zero commitments, um, and we'll manage the, the 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 data side of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thanks for elaborating on your new product on net zero uh, carbon in that context. Uh, really interesting. I would like to, since we moving towards the end, uh, change the topic a bit um, to automation, 
here you can talk two or three minutes about that part. Um, usually we ask um, ETM vendors that have a strong focus on, on power and gas, what they are offering in terms of automation, explicitly in terms of algo trading or automated trading. So in that context, uh, is that a topic on the rise for your clients to have uh, rule-based uh, trading uh, strategies in place? Yeah, I mean, with, on the on, on the power and gas side, I mean, it, it, it's great what Fidectus have done, have done there in those markets, uh, and we can't wait for them to start uh, providing the same kind of services in these other, you know, more physical, more well, less less commodity like commodities. Uh, with all of these exceptions, it, it, you know, when something's very standard and clean, uh, it, it it's easy. But when you when you see some of the broker statements that we see that we try to OCR and reconcile with, you know, um, if we if we had the resources, we'd be looking at it as well, right? But uh, well, we should, we should probably talk about that. So if, oh, this is a podcast. Fidectus is my day job. This isn't a Fidectus show. We certainly do broker statements today, and we do carbon today. So we can talk about that off offline from Fidectus' point of view. Fantastic. Um, but yeah, happy to happy to do that anytime I get a chance to talk about my day job. Um, but I, I guess back to Martin's point is, is it relevant to, to your core competence in, in the, you know, algo trading is, is, is there a crossover point or is it more like you're saying, because it's clean and the speed of, of, of um, power and gas is, is maybe different. Is it a different game? Well, where you, where you have a lot of OTCs, for example, uh, it, 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 you know, have, have you, have you heard of any algo trading? Uh, in the OTC market, in petrochemicals, for example? Oil, yeah, maybe. Well, I think if you have high liquidity and a bit of a standardization, it can work, but I'm far exactly. away of an expert there, so I guess you have a better view. Yeah, I, 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 I'm possibly, I'm segueing not to, not to avoid the question, but the, 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 the bigger question there is, you know, and blockchain as well. The reason why I like blockchain and the reason why I like uh, th this this topic on automated trading, underlying it all, it's a it's a standardization phase that everybody needs to go through, so that we can find some sort of pattern that you that you can safely automate. You know, if people have a have a remit to be one hundred percent hedged all the time in real time, um, if those if those futures trades and I mean, there's a lot of future trades, obviously, that are standardized and, and, and you can do that. But if it's not just that, if you're doing swaps and it, mm, yeah. I haven't found a client yet who who wants a computer to make sure that they're fully hedged yet. Uh, the it's kind of like how they were a bit nervous about cloud back in the day. Uh, they're not today, but, um, you know, they they still need somebody in in. In, involved in some of those decisions because there are a number of variables at play. Uh, but as things get standardized and in the gas market, especially in Europe, with the work that's gone on there to standardize things, um, you know, you can now do that. Um, so that, that's the big topic moving forward. And I've been on plenty of podcasts that have been on that soapbox about. So. Yeah, so 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 I guess um, you know we got the answer to the automation, I, I, but it begs the question to me: um, 
Where's your general footprint globally? I think we talked a little offline before we we entered, but for our audience, you know, where, where do you generally have your core footprint of users? Yeah, um, I mean, we we don't we don't have we don't have thousands of customers, but I mean, we are in Europe, we are in Asia, and we are in uh, in, in the Americas. Um, so it, it's global. Where are the most? I mean, we see. Uh, the, the, there's a lot of things happening. Well, there's a lot of things happening everywhere. I, I, pointless to say a lot of things happening in Singapore today uh, because it's equally relevant in Geneva and London uh, and in the States as well. So, And I'm, I'm over in Brazil, so there's a lot of things happening on, on, the, on the ags and forestry and the solar markets uh, down here that, that, that need some help on the computer side of things as well. So. Awesome. Uh, Martin, as we're, as we're approaching towards the end of our time, um, any areas that you still think we should cover that we've, we've neglected in this interview today? No, I think uh, we should move on. Fantastic, yeah. All right. So I think we've got a, a pretty broad brushstroke and we've gone all over the place. Um, what I propose we do is we switch gears now and go into our speed round. Our speed round is 10 questions we've asked every vendor participating in our ETRM mini-series. Um, basically, we're just going to alternate back and forth. I will start by asking the first question. I'll revert to Martin. We'll go back and forth. Just short answers is fine. Uh, if you want to elaborate or if one of us asks a question, feel free to do so. Now it's time for the ETRM mini-series speed round. Will the number of vendors for ETRM solutions shrink or expand in the future, in your opinion? Expand. Why? Um, there will there's there's a lot a lot of opportunity out there. Um, there's a lot of desk spin-offs. Um, yeah. Okay. It's great. I keep it short for your ten questions. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, that's great. Martin, you're up. Okay, brilliant. Second question. How many deals per minute must a modern ETM or a CTM system today be capable to import? Um, per, per minute. Deals per minute. Yeah. Um, that, that's in your power and gas side, um, yeah. more relevant. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I would assume that in that context, uh, your solution, since you provide standard APIs, would not have an issue um, importing more than two or three deals per minute only. That is my understanding. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hundreds a minute is is the possibility. Uh, we just don't have clients who need to bring in hundreds a minute. Yeah, understood. Okay. All right. So, what commodity types or energy types are you offering today, and which ones are your biggest strengths? Uh, in energy, uh, it's uh, around hydrocarbons, uh, oil, petrochemicals, um, and uh, if you can say the carbon element of that, yes. So, Do you offer a real-time position management module and is a new trade in real-time reflected there? So is it an event-based architecture behind it? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, do you have an automated workflow for straight-through processing? Yes. Okay. Can your ETM or CTM solution price Asian options? Yes. Which model is behind it? If you know that by by heart. Uh, 
I don't know. I I just know that they are valuing those over there, um, okay. and I've not <laughs> seen any support tickets. <laughs> okay, fantastic. All right, are you offering a full integration and implementation service? Uh, yes, because we're in the cloud, it's a lot easier to do, and we have a lovely process for onboarding people um, uh, digitally and in the ether. Okay. What do you think is the biggest threat or challenge for a third-party CTM vendor? The biggest challenge? Um, biggest challenge for them or biggest threat to us? Sorry. Let's say threat to you, yeah, like technology or I don't know, regulatory impact. Someone doing better, better, faster, and cheaper than us. But, uh, you know, they, they'd be doing a fantastic job if they could. Okay. What does your licensing model look like today, and do you anticipate changes in it in the near future? Um, we are, well, we're a software-as-a-service uh, subscription-based model, um, and some are user-based and others are transaction-based. Others are volume-based. It depends on a number of things, which sector, which parts of the supply chain you're in, et cetera. Okay. Uh, do I see anything changing in the future? Um, probably not. No, I think that's the that's how it'll be for a while. Okay, then last question is probably an easy one for you. So are you offering API or APIs, and what is the technology behind it? Um, we have APIs. We... You're asking me technology questions. Um, I mean, the, the RESTful uh, web services. Okay, great. Well, fantastic. You've gotten through the 10 questions successfully. I appreciate that. Um, what I'd like to give you an opportunity to do is an opportunity to maybe bring this all together in more of a concise way, a minute or two description of why our audience might want to reach out to Gen 10. Um, sure. I mean, if you if you if you've got a lot of uh, a lot of commodity, uh, a lot of different commodities moving around the world, uh, and they need to be priced in whether it's vanilla ways or very exotic ways, um, you know, we have our, our main focus is around operational risk and making sure that the the, the ground level things are done for you. Uh, correctly, responsibly, and with the correct audit trails that you can then make sound business decisions on. Um, so I think the operational risk is key uh, to, to, to everything, really. And of course, if you have some carbon exposure that you're trying to uh, trade or whether you're trying to offset, uh, you should certainly give us a call because we have some solutions that will make that job a lot easier and it's available today. Well, thank you so much, Richard. We've enjoyed having you on the ETRM miniseries. Thank you for participating. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Martin. Um, and I think what what, what you guys have, have been trying to do to get the vendors together on these podcasts is, uh, is, is a good project. Um, I'm happy to support it. Thank you, Richard. Well, thank you so much. For our audience, uh, this concludes another episode of Insider's Guide to Energy ETRM miniseries. Uh, don't forget, there are 13 episodes out there. If you haven't listened to every vendor, uh, please uh, take a look at the website, Insider's Guide to Energy. Uh, each vendor has a page and links, and you can find the data there. And we look forward to hearing feedback from you, our audience. Thanks again for listening. Have a good day.